0: Welcome to And With Your Spirit, a homily podcast that takes preaching out of the sanctuary and moves it into your daily life. Let us make ourselves open to the voice of Christ and the movement of the Holy Spirit that we might be transformed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. The few and the proud have gathered tonight here for our very first uh, chapter event, here for Legatus. Tonight we also have the option to celebrate a couple of feast days, and the one I've chosen is the feast day of the dedication of Saints Peter and Paul Basilicas in Rome. Many of you have probably seen those, um, and if not, those are different patrons for our church. We're mindful of the dedication of those places as an investment in the future of our Catholic faith, for the millions of people who visit them every year, but also for our church universal. And so as we call to mind that memory, we also take a moment to be mindful that uh, we ourselves are not always holy temples, and so we ask the Lord to forgive us of our sins, that we more worthily celebrate this Mass. The Lord be with you. While the people were listening to Jesus speak, he proceeded to tell them a parable, because he was near Jerusalem, and they thought the kingdom of God would appear there immediately. So he said, A nobleman went off to a distant country to obtain the kingship for himself, and then to return. He called ten of his servants and gave them ten gold coins and told them, Engage in trade with these until I return. His fellow citizens, however, despised him and sent a delegation after him to announce, We do not want this man to be our king. But when he returned, after obtaining the kingship, he had the servants call to whom he had given the money, to learn what they had gained by trading. The first came forward and said, Sir, your gold coin has earned ten additional ones. He replied, Well done, good servant. You have been faithful in this very small matter. Take charge of ten cities. Then the second came and reported, Your gold coin, sir, has earned five more. And to this servant, too, he said, You take charge of five cities. Then the other servant came and said, Sir, here is your gold coin. I kept it stored away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you because you are a demanding man. You take up what you did not lay down and you harvest where you did not plant. He said to him, with your own words, I shall condemn you, you wicked servant. You knew I was a demanding man taking up what I did not lay down and harvesting what I did not plant. Why did you not put my money in the bank? Then on my return, I would have collected it with interest. And to those standing by, he said, take the gold coin from him and give it to the servant who has ten. But they said to him, Sir, he has ten gold coins. He replied, I tell you, to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now as for those enemies of mine who did not want me as their king, bring them here and slay them before me. After he had said this, he proceeded on his journey up to Jerusalem. The Gospel of the Lord. The readings this time of year in November as we head toward Advent are all uh, eschatological. That means they're looking toward the end times. They're readings about judgment and for the book of Revelation, trying to get our souls ready for the coming of the king that we pray for every time we say they our father. Thy kingdom come, right? But likewise, it, it readies us for Christmas when the king comes to dwell in the stinky, dirty mangers of our souls. And a little extra time doesn't hurt. Tonight, what we hear in that gospel reading is a story about investments, and my question tonight is, should the Lord invest more in you? There's a most likely apocryphal story from many years ago about the time that Father Dominic, now Saint Dominic, went to visit Rome to get approval for his order of preachers, the Dominican order, from the Holy Father. This has been the 13th century. We're not sure if this actually happened, but it makes a good point, so I'm telling the story, all right? (laughs) So he goes down to Rome to ask the Holy Father to approve this band of brothers who wants their charism to be zeal for the faith, especially in teaching and in a life of poverty and community. This was necessary at the time because in the 13th century, if you know about church history, uh, most church leaders were anything but poor or zealous in preaching. In fact, they were trying to store up everything for themselves. Anyways, Dominic goes down to Rome to ask the Pope to bless his order. And whenever Dominic is there, the Pope has some hesitation likely because when you see holiness in front of you, it makes you think twice about that mirror into which you're peering. So the Holy Father says, let's take a walk. And he and Dominic take a walk through the Vatican. As they're walking around the Vatican, the Holy Father's pointing out the ancient Egyptian obelisks that they've taken and gotten now into their museums or in their private gardens. He's pointing out the granite on every single wall. He eventually takes them into the Vatican Basilica itself. This is the old St. Peter's before the new one was built. He takes him to the sacristy and has one of the sacristans unroll a rug on the ground and fill it with the finest relics, reliquaries, chalices, everything that we heard about basically in that reading from Revelation jasper and emerald and rubies and things like crystal covering this carpet on the floor. And as this sacristan pulls these things out of the cabinets to show them all off, the Pope remembers the story of Peter and John, the apostles, who are entering Jerusalem after the resurrection from the book of Acts, the apostles chapter three, Peter and John are walking into the city and there's a a lame man who's been brought there to what's called the beautiful gate every single day, brought there to ask for healing. And whenever these two walk by, he reaches up and says, would you please give me some money? He asks for alms from Peter and John, Peter, the head, right? The first Pope, he stops. He looks at the man who is lame from birth and says, Neither gold nor silver do I have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, arise and walk. And he reaches down, he pulls him up, and the man's legs immediately are healed, and he praises God. As the story rolls through the Holy Father's head at the time, showing Father Dominic all of these treasures, a slight smile alights his face, and he turns to this holy founder of the order of preachers and says to him, See, Dominic, no longer does the successor of Peter have to say, neither silver nor gold do I have. And Dominic, the holy man, turns back to the Holy Father and says, you're right, but neither can he say, arise, pick up your mat, and walk. Should the Lord invest more in you? In the gospel parable today, Jesus tells a story as he goes to Jerusalem, To a people who are very devout Jews. They know the story. The tale for centuries is a Messiah will come, he will round up the troops, he'll go back into the city and take over, and his reign will never end. He'll be the son of David, which Jesus was, and possibly this man who has worked great wonders, who is against the state, it seems, in some ways, perhaps he's the guy we need to be behind. So as he gets closer to Jerusalem, these people who are following get closer to him. They want what he's got, they've got the promises right there. And as he gets closer to the city, he finally stops and says, let me tell you a story. The thing about this parable, unlike the other parables, is that this parable is actually based in reality. The parable about about the king going off to obtain his kingship and coming back home. He goes off, this king does, and when he goes, he puts people in charge of the property because somebody has to manage it, right? Like when you go on vacation, somebody's got to take care of the business, right? So he does the same thing. Well, previously in 4 BC or so, Herod the Great had passed on his kingdom to three successors. Three, divided it to three. And one of them, Herod Herod Philip, Herod Antipas, and the third one was Archelaus. And Archelaus was given Judea, the home of the Jews. Whenever he was given that place to rule, just 34 years before Christ was telling this story to these people, when he was given that place to rule, the Jewish people said, we reject him. God gave us this land. We wandered around Egypt for 40 years to get this land. Like Well, let's put our person on the throne. And so the the new king, he travels to Rome to get the certified document that says, no, I'm in charge, eat it, right? So as as he's gone, he puts people in charge of Judea and the people immediately revolt. The Jewish people do. They reject the king. In fact, they even sent a delegation of, we think, 50 Jewish people to Rome to chase down the new king to try to stop his path. Anyways, so as Jesus is telling this story about these 10 people, these 10 servants, each getting a coin, it would be reminding these devout Jews that they once rejected a rightful worldly king. And perhaps it's a warning because as the parable is told, each 10 each get a coin, the king comes back. When he comes back, he summons them back to himself. The first one shows up with how many coins? 10. The next one shows up with five. The third one shows up with one. The first guy got 10 more and he gets 10 cities. The second one, five more, gets five cities. The third one gets cast out into darkness because his own words condemn him, his own words. This is what I think is really uh, providential for a legatus event that this gospel came up because this is the 80-20 principle in full display. How many people out of the 10 made a return? 20%, right? And what the 80-20 principle, as we know, is 80% of your work is done by 20% of your people. That's what happens here. what we don 't hear about is where the other seven are. They just don't exist. I wonder what we would do. I think this is a question for us. God invests in us all the time. in fact, you could say that every time we come to an altar, he gives us a coin that is invested into our very bodies, and that coin should be producing. it should be touching the poor, it should be speaking the truth. it should be listening to the hearts that are sorrowful. And God is wondering, who's going to return my investment for me? I think it's very easy for us to focus on the tangible investments. Most of us know all about investments, right? You give the employees a raise if they're outperforming. You, you move them up into position in the company because when someone is proven trustworthy, you give them more trust. When someone is proven not trustworthy, you kick them out. That's what Jesus does too. But I think that what we get hung up on is that we, we so often, even in our faith, We measure everything by what we can see or what we can understand or what we can feel. That's never the judgment of God. That's never the criterion for evaluation that God has. Sometimes if you've done really well as parents of three kids, God says, here's one more, even though you know that's a burden and maybe you didn't want it, right? Sometimes you've done really well with taking care of an aging parent. That's a a cross. Uh, God gives you another one which we with our worldly eyes see as, as a penance. But God says, I trust you. I know my grace can work through you. And can give you another one. Sometimes when your employee comes to you and they're having a problem in their own life and you help them, they spread that around and someone else comes to you and you say, nah, gosh, I didn't realize I was a counselor. I thought I was a CEO, right? God is blessing you because he knows you can do it. He's investing in you. One more coin because you've proven yourself. I think the gospel message tonight is very clear. God will invest in those who have proven they are worthy of the, of the coins, of the divine life dwelling in them. And the question for us, as especially as we approach Christmas, as we approach the eschaton, is are you worth more of God's investment? And if you are, prove it.